The following podcast is brought to you by Lady Norland's Cajun Cafe, RVA's favorite Cajun hideaway, in the fan at the corner of Maine and Stafford. Find out more at ladynorlands.com. Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. Ah, yes. We are back on here. VCU Rams Rewind is back on. Sponsored by Lady Nollins. Get yourself some wonderful Cajun food in Richmond, Virginia. Change up, change up that holiday, that holiday rotation of food you normally get, and get some Cajun food. And and anybody, you know, to help motivate me to get me back to Richmond, Virginia, at some point to see friends, hang out, maybe even go to a game, or at the very least, go to Lady Nolans. Somebody go there and tell me how good that crawfish boil is that looks so good on the menu because I want to try it. All right, didn't that feel good tonight? Wasn't it nice to just kick back and relax at the end of the game? knowing that VCU had it won. And, of course, it didn't look like that in the first half because they were uh, – they, they after a pretty warm start, they kind of lost the thread entirely on offense and were really all over the place. And except for and, – and Florida Atlantic, to their credit, got away from what they normally do, shooting threes, and actually started attacking the paint, and they had some joy there. And it's funny, that's the only time when, when Florida Atlantic, who, again – Tied in the top forty in the country and made threes per game. When they when they started to attack inside, that's when they had joy in this game. And when they went back to shooting three pointers, they couldn't do anything. Florida Atlantic averages nine point six three pointers made per game. They were five of twenty three tonight. That's twenty one point seven percent. They're normally thirty six percent from the from behind the arc, which is which puts them in the top seventy five. And there are a lot of stories. Bruce Stevenson, I will address the free throws. There's a reason for that, and it does, and it, it is a worrying one, but I'll get to it. But I want to talk about Jalen Deloach, as Mike Burbanski says, right out of the gate, because in the second half, uh, Jalen Deloach was just outstanding. Uh, but you know, everybody's going to look at the nine points and go, "Wow, you know that was really great." He had, he, you know, he ran the floor. He had t- two of Ace's assists in Ace's magical second half, which we're going to talk about. Uh, uh, came to Deloach. One of them was a dunk. The other was a layup where he ran the floor great. But the thing, the thing that gets me about Deloach is that he is a freshman, and I've said he's strong as an ox and strong like bull. He is like trying to move a redwood tree. Florida Atlantic's got this big old seven-foot-one guy, Golden, and he's a load himself. You can look at him and see this is a big man, and he's used to, when he gets in the paint, moving people out of the way. And getting what he wants. And he tried that on Deloach. And Deloach was not going. He was not going to be moved. And Niang, their other, one of their other backups, tried the same thing. And not only did Deloach go nowhere, he turned his shot away. Uh, Jalen Deloach is a, for, is a physical force on the defensive end already. And he's only been here. This is only game number 11 of his college career. And I cannot wait. Because you wouldn't think, you wouldn't think Jalen Deloach, a friend, you wouldn't think any freshman 
could stand up to a Grant Golden, who's a 25th-year senior, or Osun Oshuni, who's an absolute load for St. Bonaventure. This young man might be able to, and I cannot wait to see that. I am looking forward as as, as, as there's a lot of different reasons I'm looking forward to the conference season when it gets here. I'm looking forward to seeing what Jalen Deloach is going to do against the front courts of these guys because Stockard and Ward were both in foul trouble tonight and kind of in the game. Uh, you know, Stockard just could never really get a rhythm going. Some of that was VCU not looking for him, especially in the first half when he was out there. That was kind of frustrating. But Deloach is just – if they think – not that they would think this, they'll look at the tape, but – those front court guys are going to think, "Oh, I'm going, I'm coming up against the, I'm coming up against the freshman. I can move this guy out. You just try it. You, you just bleep around and find out with Jalen Deloach. Because I'm telling you right now, you, you try moving that redwood tree and see how far you get. Uh, Jalen Deloach is, is, he is an awesome physical presence, and and I just can't imagine when he gets when he gets into a real training program." Just how much bigger and stronger he can get, because he's already just big and strong and you and and tough tonight. Um, yeah, Ward, Ward, Ward was. Uh, I actually thought Ward was okay at the beginning of the game, and I liked him coming off the bench. I don't know. I I mean, I don't know if it was the ankle so much as bothered him. I think it's just not playing. He looked rusty. You know, he did get the big dunk uh, early in the game, which was nice to see. Uh, but I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, he's he's got he's got to, and maybe that, and that's the thing. I didn't think he was that gimpy. There were a couple of times that were kind of, but you know, I, I I'm hoping when plays more, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna go away. But yeah, Deloach and Ward in. I mean, the problem is offensively that puts you in a quandary because neither one of them have the kind of offensive game that would make the other team worry. But Deloach and Ward is the kind of front line. That say that's like you shall not pass. <laughs> you you are not coming in here. You are not going to come in here. And I think we will see that at times, especially in games where if somebody if somebody's big guy gets off early, if if if, if he's still there, that big old lug Brankovich is a perf- is a guy that just came to mind for Davidson. If that big old jerk is still there, that's when I would love love to see Deloach and Ward in together. To see him try that, to see him try his stuff, and see how far that gets, because it ain't going to get anywhere. Uh, so yeah, I, I, Deloach's game tonight was just that was a joy, but no, the jo- most joyous thing tonight was Ace Baldwin's second half. And I made this point in the game thread, so I'm going to make it here again. Many of you have heard it already, and I understand that. And Jonathan Barty, that's a very good point. I will try to get to that next, but I want to talk about Ace Baldwin for a moment and. You look at that first half, VCU was like made three of their first five shots and then did not shoot the ball well all the rest of the game. Ace Baldwin, one for four from the field, two assists, no turnovers. VCU's a team, five assists, 12 turnovers. You know, and that offense was not good in that first half. Not good. And this game got... FAU got the first five points to cut it to one in the second half and even had the ball with a chance to take the lead and you thought they might be in trouble here. And then Ace Baldwin dominated the game from the point guard spot. He was the ace in the hole, Chris Conway. That's absolutely right. And you don't – I mean, 
It's hard to dominate. You, you'd think to yourself, well, if a guard's going to dominate the game, they're going to have to score. Baldwin had four points tonight in the second half tonight, and I think he ended up with like seven, or he ended up with like seven or nine. Uh, he uh, he ended up with six, but he had four points in the second half. But he had seven assists, and it was he had seven assists in eight minutes. It was it was a virtuoso performance. It was a callback to last year where he would dominate games from the point guard spot without scoring or was barely scoring. And that's the thing I would drive home to Ace. I would tell him, look at that first half and look how terrible the offense, how much the offense was struggling. And you weren't, you were taking a lot of shots and they weren't going in and you were struggling. And I mean, I understand he worked on his shot because that was all he could work on, you know, for quite a while with, with his, when his Achilles tendon in the, in the shape that it was in. But that second half was so wonderful. And Isaac, he, I don't know about 15 assists. He should have had 11 assists for sure. Because doggone it, I don't know who it was in the first half, Mr. Bunny, and should have made it. And then Vince Williams in the second half, dead gummit. Vince, you got to finish that. You've got to finish that to get him his 10th assist. And he ended up with three turnovers in the second half. And two of them was he was forcing it in there trying to get the 10 assists because you know he wanted it. And that'll lead me to what uh, uh, I think it was Jonathan Barty said about the 22 turnovers. And yeah, the 22 turnovers is, 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 is concerning because that's been a bugaboo of theirs all year. I will say they got a bunch of them at the end when the game was decided, and that's going to lead me to something else uh, that, was, that uh, Bruce Stevenson and others, and, and Daniel Carter brought this up in the thread, and, and it leads me to this point. VC was terrible from the foul line in the second half. They were 8 of 15. At one point, they were 2 of 8. So they actually finished the game all right being six to seven from the foul line after being two of eight in one stretch. But I, my biggest concern about the foul shooting is, and we saw this in the last game too, when they missed the four at the end of the game because the game was decided, it seems like if there's one thing that VCU kind of checks out on when a game is blown out like this and it's, out of, it's out, completely out of control, that's it. It's foul shots. And, it's, and the reason it's kind of hard to accept is you don't see them check out on the defensive end of the floor, which I love. Again, the fact that they're defending with such venom and vigor when it's a 20-point game, I love that. They held Florida Atlantic 33 points under their damn average tonight. They averaged 79 and a half. Florida Atlantic got 46. And VCU was bound and determined not to let them get to 50. You could see that coming out. But to me, if you can do that, because that takes a lot of effort and a lot of physical physical uh, uh, physical movement and things to do that, then you can concentrate your mind for foul shots at the end, end, end of the game, even when the game is decided. Because as Jonathan Barty rightly just says, that will bite you in the behind in the, in the second half. And let's not forget, that Connecticut game in the Bahamas, they missed five foul shots in a row in the second half and ended up in overtime. And that's a win that if VCU had that in their pocket, would it make a huge difference? And could make could have made could make a huge difference down the line that they didn't win that. So that's that's an issue. That's a real issue. So I mean, I understand it's tough and that the mind is gonna drift at the end of games when the games are blown out. That is natural, and I understand that. But but when you see a team concentrate their mind to play great defense in the second half and to play great defense at the end of the game. And I don't think it's a lot to ask to, 
asked to have them concentrate their mind at the foul line. And that's the other thing. Yeah, 40 in the second half, Bruce Stevenson. But remember, I think, what was it? They got 44. I think they got 44 the other night against ODU, who I think is probably a much better defense team than Florida Atlantic. And I think they got 40-plus against Syracuse. So it's like they have this ability. And one thing about it, VCU's offensive numbers, because they were so putrid at the start of the year, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna be kind of buried by those. But I think if we take the offensive numbers from the point Ace Baldwin steps on the floor, they're going to probably end up looking a lot better than what, they, than, than what the yearly numbers show. And that'll be something – be it's going to be hard to do that, to separate that out, because you can't do it on things like Ken Palm and the other stuff. Uh, as easily you can ask them to do it but you can't do it yourself because you don't have access to how they all the formulas and how they do it but I think we're gonna what we're gonna see is a real divergence from pre-ace Baldwin this is the kind of team they were post-ace Baldwin looks a lot different and I mean you can't argue 15 of 21 from the field I mean they were smoking hot and without the turnovers they could have easily had 50 in the second half and they probably should have the way they were shooting they were shooting the lights out. And again, 10 field goals on 15 made baskets. Beautiful. That is when I see that I love it. When I see that I know this team's going to win and I know this team's going to give it to give it give it to the other team really good because they, you you're not going to beat VCU doing that. Not the way they play defense, not unless you're unconscious. And see that was the other thing. You think about Florida Atlantic, they stayed in the game in the first half. It was all individual. They had two assists in the first half. They had two assists in the second half. Unless you've got NBA talent on the other side, you are not going to beat. You are not not going to beat VCU doing that. Sorry, it's not going to happen. Mike Urbanski asked about Nick Kern. (sighs) Nick Kern is interesting. Nick Kern is a juice guy. That's what he is at this point. He he's a guy that comes off the bench when you need it and can give this team a jolt. Um, the minutes have been kind of inconsistent. He did get 17 minutes tonight, which I'm happy about. So I I he's probably one of these players, and there's a lot of players like this that the more he plays, the better he'll play. I don't think there's any question about it. Um, and I think Nick I think what Nick Kern is trying to do, Mike, I think he's trying to fit in the offense. And I think he's he feels like that he's got to defer, and I think and, and I mean that's that's a good mindset to have. Yes, he's got talent, and you want to see him. You really want to see him be aggressive at certain times because you know he's got the ability to do it. But at the same time, he knows his place on this team, and he's deferring to players that are better offensive players at this point. And I understand that mentality, and I love that mentality. There's going to come a time, that, and there'll come a game when we're going to need more from him than what he did tonight, and I think he'll provide it for us. That's not that's not something I can state with a fact and say there's evidence for this or that or the other. I just believe that. It's kind of like the same thing with Banks. You know, Banks only plays seven minutes tonight, but he hits those two shots, bam, bam, and that was part of the reason that he pulled away. And I like the Ed Nixon comp. I really like the Ed Nixon comp, Mike Urbanski. I think the, I think that's a good comp for Nick Kern. I, I like that. But it's like these guys, 
Kern and Banks, uh, Sahonis. There are going to be nights when you're like, mm, they're just not giving us enough. But it's but when their number is called, I think they're going to answer the bell. And I and I mean, and, and in Sahonis's case, we've seen evidence of that. There have been games when he's done that and played really well. The Vanderbilt game is one that comes actually comes to mind for me on that one. But I do. I think there's going to be a night when it's not going right, and I mean, it's really not going right. It's Kern and Banks are going to be asked to do a lot more, and they're going to come up and do it. Now, I want to say something else. Uh, a lot of There was criticism. Doug Hines was right with his criticism. Vince Williams' offensive game was not great tonight. 0 for 3, 0 for 2. That's a concern. He is in a shooting slump. There's no question about it. But gets to the, finds a way to get to the foul line. He's 7-8 from, from the foul line. And when the red, when you consider the rest of the team was 7-15 from the foul line, Seven of eight looks real good. Eight boards. Played some good defense. He, I'm, I'm hoping Vince I, – I, well, I shouldn't say I'm hoping. I believe Vince Williams is going to work out of this offensive slump he's in. But, again, he is doing other things. And he's not letting it affect the rest of his game. God bless him for that because that is so critical and so crucial. And, again, sets a great example for everybody else. Hey, if your offensive game isn't going well – you can still do other things to help us. And that's what all these guys have showed you tonight. I mean, the only guy in double figures is Keyshawn Curry at 13 points. And they win easily. They win easily. And, of course, it doesn't hurt. Ten guys play, ten guys score. You love that. You certainly love that. But that's, you know, that that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of game that, that VCU can do to people on a regular basis, and I just love it. I just love it because, okay, you know, Ace Ball was two for seven from the field tonight. He missed some shots early. He turned it around in the second half and, again, dominated from the point guard spot. This game was over essentially after the first eight minutes of the second, after, you know, the first eight minutes of the second half because Ace Baldwin got on fire, setting people up, and the offense got rolling and it didn't stop. You know, they end up 50, end up almost 56% from the field for the game, and that's all the second half. That's all the second half that happening. And by the way, something else about that. VCU's 15 to 21. They only took three threes in the second half, made two of them. So you see there, being judicious. And that's one thing. Vince Williams didn't keep jacking up those three pointers from outside and 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 you know, giving possessions away and all that other stuff. Being judicious with the three-pointer. Being judicious with the th- with things like the trap. And that's one thing. Mike, Mike Rhodes deserves credit for this. Kind of adjusted defensively. There wasn't nearly as much trapping in double teams in the second half. And Florida Atlantic, you know, still turned over a lot. They ended up 25 for the game. They only had nine in the second half, which is actually not terrible. So you had 16 in the first half. They had 10 of 27 from the field. You know, ten to twenty-seven from the field. So, and and VCU's you know interior defense tonight. VCU absolutely killed Florida Atlantic in the paint. And Florida Atlantic does have some fairly big fellows down there. VCU dominated in the, in, in the inside the paint area, thirty-six to eighteen. And and check this out: Florida Atlantic has seven offensive rebounds and only gets six points. You know that's something. When we've lost these games because of rebounding, it's because Teams have gotten rebounds and scored and, and taken advantage of them, and Florida Atlantic didn't do that. Heck, 
BC only had two offensive rebounds and got four points, which is almost the maximum you can get. So that that's that's I, I was very pleased with that. And again, a lot of that's Deloach and Ward being back in there. And again, I I even though offensively that could, could create some challenges for us because neither of them have a very well-developed offensive game. I'd love to see it from the defensive end because nobody's futzing around with that. So, excellent. Excellent to see them win convincingly and not really have to push themselves. Nunn and Williams were the only guys over 30 minutes. I like Ace 26 minutes tonight, so, you know, they're kind of, he was definitely on a minutes restriction, but they're, they're letting it extend out. And he's and again he's taken he's taken some tough shots he's falling down he's going through the things you got to go through and he's not hurt and he's fine and so he's going to be more confident he's going to be more confident driving to the lane he's going to be more confident that he can take the hit and get up and be okay that's great for him uh, but in general it was great to see just you know not a lot of huge minutes tonight for anybody except Nunn and Williams and that's good because it keeps you fresh for Saturday. Bruce Stevenson points out it's Penn State. We all know what happened last year. That doggone, I can't even remember his name, hit that damn three-pointer, which I swear to God was going to hit the scoreboard in the damn stadium. It was so high. I still can't believe that shot went in a year later. I still don't know how. And it just kills me because, of course, the the momentum of the game being what it was, I was convinced VCU was going to win the game in overtime. Uh, when it if it got to overtime, and I still can't believe that shot went in. So, and again, you know, the Big Ten is not as good as last year, so I'm not sure Penn State's going to be a quad one opportunity. So I, this is a game again; they've got to win, especially if if Penn State's not in the top 100 this year. And I just don't see how they're going to be that high in the net, given that the, the Big Ten is really good. I'm not sure it can be anywhere near as good last year because last year that was historic. Uh, you're rarely, if ever, going to see a conference be that good again. Uh, Mike Urbanski asks a great question. What would be your starting five with this roster going forwards? And that is tough. That is a tough one for me because the the tonight we had Baldwin, Nunn, Curry, Williams, Stockard. So three-guard offense, really. Although it was weird, they, they, I was watching the ESPN Plus thing and they listed Baldwin as a forward, which I thought was ludicrous. It's a three-guard offense. That's This is a tough one for me because my inclination would be to start, especially, if he's, especially once he knocks the rust off, is to have Warden Stockard in there to begin with. And if you do that, you gotta have, you know, one of because Vince is gonna start unless he's hurt or he's going really badly. You know, Bruce Stevenson says Ace Curry, Deloach, Warden, Levi. I don't think there's any way in the world you could start with Vince on the bench. I will say it's not a terrible idea, Bruce, because maybe that would help him. Maybe a game or two where he doesn't start and he can sort of, you know, see the game develop and then he comes in. You know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I just don't think it's going to happen. So my inclination is to have Ward and Levi, both Ward, you know, Hassan Ward and Levi Stockard start. And if you have Vince Williams, that means one of these guards is going to be coming off the bench. That's pretty tough to pick one of those. 
Paul, Mike Urbanski, he says Baldwin, Nunn, Williams, Ward, Stockard. Mm. I just, I, oh. I mean, that's the thing. Curry's mentality is so good that I have no problem with him coming off the bench. But, and this is, and not, it's not to say that none is, none or Baldwin are bad defensive players. They're not. But Curry's defense is so impactful and so good. You look at their guards, once again, you can call Curry off night because Greenlee and Forrest, who average, you know, flipping almost 30 points between them, I think. Let me look real quick because I got those I, I got those Florida Atlantic stats up for just this purpose. You know, for Forrest averages Forrest averages uh sixteen. Greenlee averages ten point six, so it's about so it's almost it's almost uh, twenty seven points a game between those two guys, and they get flipping, uh, they get flipping, uh, eleven points tonight, and they're five of twelve from the field, and they and they're one <laughs> one of nine from three. Dunk on it. <laughs> I mean, these guards, man, our guards. They just don't give. They just don't give a dead gum about who uh, who's up against him. You could be averaging whatever. Uh uh-uh. uh You you are not you. If you get to your twenty points, you're gonna have to earn every dead gum one of them. I mean, even Martin, who was their only guy in double figures at thirteen, so he got to his average. Here's the problem: he had to take eleven shots to get there. He got eleven shots to get thirteen points. He was three of ten from three, so he barely took a two. You know. So it's like for that reason, for that reason, for me, Curry's got to start because we are defense is what we hang our hat on. We know this. It's been the it's been the way since Mike Rhodes has been there. We've had some great defenses, and 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 I expect when I take my first look at the Ken Palm numbers, probably tomorrow after work, or maybe even in the morning before work, we're going to see that they're way up there again. It's hard for me to put. It's hard for me to put Curry on the bench to start, even as, and, and even as good as none is. I think I'm at. I think I'm with Baldwin Curry because and again, I feel like you got to play two of the big guys. So Baldwin, my best five is Baldwin Curry, Williams, Ward, Stockard. Um, but you, but you, but you do that, and you realize that means you got Deloach coming off the bench. And he's a force. You got Sahonis coming off the bench, who is a guy that all of a sudden can get hot from nowhere and score you a bunch of points. You got Jaden Nunn, who's already got a you know a twenty three point game in his career, um, and even though he only had nine tonight, you know he he, uh, he still had a pretty good game. And again, you know can spell can can play the point if Ace Baldwin is sitting down for whatever reason, whether it's fouls or minutes restriction or injury or whatever. You know, and it's tough to look at Jaden Nunn as well as he's played and say you got to start on the bench. You know, that's a difficult that's a difficult thing. And and we haven't even talked about you know Banks or Kern, uh, you know, coming off the bench as well. So we're in a great situation here. That's that's plainly obvious that with Baldwin coming back, you know, this offense all of a sudden looks like it's capable of producing. You know, they didn't get to 70 tonight. They really should have. They missed all those darn free throws and then kind of had them turnovers at the end when they were futzing around. 
You know, they really should have got to 70 points tonight. There's no two ways about it. And I think that would have put them, let's see here, you know, that, that would have put them at, that, that would have put them at 70 in back-to-back games, uh, you know, and, and that's, that's what you're looking for. And they really should have had 70 against Jacksonville State. They only ended up with 66 there, and they didn't get it. So, um, yeah, no, that's true about Josh Banks. But it's like, you know, as I said earlier, there's going to come a time for Banks and Kern when they're really going to need – they really, really are going to need them and need them to provide points and a juice because they're going to have a game where, where the starters aren't playing worth a darn and and some of the initial subs come in and it doesn't get any better. And it's going to be up to those two guys to give us a real jolt and get, jolt and get going. Uh, and it's going to happen. I don't, know which, I don't know which game it'll be and I don't know when it'll be, but there'll be a night for those two guys where they're going to be the ones that save us. I, I have no doubt about it. And I think they're up to it. I think they're actually they're up to it in this case. Uh, I I really like the both I really like the both of them and what they've given us so far and what they and what I think they're going to give us in the future. So Penn State Saturday afternoon NBC Sports Network. Uh, I will be working delivering packages, so there won't be a post game video for me. I may try to look in at the comments during the game if it's not too ridiculous. Although again, the Saturday before Christmas, I kind of expect. We're going to be loaded up because we've usually been loaded up, but you will get a pod, you know, uh, recorded that night after I rewatch the game after work. And then in the morning, you'll, you'll see the pod Sunday morning and all that. So I'm looking, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Folks, this is, I mean, again, we were so frustrated. We were so frustrated early in the season and, and, you know, I said it after they lost the two games in, in the Bahamas. It felt like, I mean, they had to run the table here with these with these state of with this run in the state of Virginia. And I'm feeling better and better about the fact that they're going to pull it off, that they're going to win all these games. Um, and Ace Baldwin, he just continues to amaze. If you'd have told me in May that he was going to play in December and be this good, I'd have said number one. I'd have, I'd have wanted the coaches. I would have been really upset with the coaches because I would have said, you're taking such a risk with this young man's career that it's bordering on malpractice. Um, and not only is he back, not only is he playing, you know, he had, he had a night, he's had, he's had a double figure scoring game already. And now he's had, and now when you go back to the second half against Old Dominion and tonight, the guy's got he's got 14 assists and three halves of basketball. So that part of his game is absolutely back. And again, this offense, this offense can almost I mean, they're not lethal, but they can be pretty darn close when Ace Baldwin's doing that. So mm, I'll tell you, I it's it's hard not to get excited about this team. My outlook for Saturday's Isaac is I think we'll win. Like I said, I I was not too sure about them winning every one of these games in the state of Virginia that takes us from December into January. And I, and now I feel a lot better about them running the table here. I really do. I feel like, I, I feel like that, that this team is, is, is starting to round into form. And it is funny, Mike Urbanson, because it feels like, it feels like you're right in the sense that, that it seems like this is about where they are record wise and, and they get there in a variety of ways. And of course, unfortunately 
the Penn State website in its infinite wisdom has nothing but signing day crap in there, and I don't even know how to get to the to the main site. Give me one second, because you're asking about what this team, what their basketball team is doing. I'm going to tell you in a minute. I've not seen how Penn State at all this year. Uh, I just, I just haven't, I haven't had a look at them at all. Let's see here. They are five and five. They're zero and two in conference play. Massachusetts beat the snot out of them. Ooh, Massachusetts crushed them in Amherst. Uh, let's see here. Uh, they don't have the whole schedule. Here. They have the whole schedule here. Um, gave LSU a game in the in the Emerald Coast Classic. Lost to them in overtime. Uh, lost to Miami at home, and then their two Big Ten games. They lost by a dozen against Ohio State at home, and then they lost by 16 at Michigan State. So, yeah, our UMass, UMass, our UMass walloped them in Amherst in the second game of the season for Penn State, November 15th. So, um, yeah, they wall and they, they thumped Wagner uh, up there at University Park. Uh, and they still, in terms of their non-conference, were by far their toughest non-conference game left. After us, they have Quinnipiac and Delaware State. And then they turn the calendar, and it's all Big Ten from there. Um, so they're not—they're not too good. It looks like to me they're five again. They're five and five. You know, maybe, maybe I'll be wrong, and they'll be friskier uh, in the Big Ten in the Big Ten season. I'll be honest; I couldn't even tell you who their dadgum coach is because they had to, they had interim guy last year. So I'm going to look that up right now because what the heck? I might as well. Uh, I might as well uh, I might as well look at uh, look at that. Uh, Micah Shrewsbury is their coach. Who the heck is Micah Shrewsbury? Uh, let's see here. Oh, he. I guess he was. I guess he was the doggone. Uh, uh, hmm. I, I guess he's the new coach. I mean, he wasn't on the staff. Oh, yeah, he was an ex Purdue assistant. That's that was it. That was his. Uh, that was his last job. So they they got him over from Purdue. Purdue's going great guns this year. And a long time ago, he coached some school called Indiana University at South Bend. And he didn't do too hot there, but that was a long time ago. Now he's coaching Penn State. Hmm. Uh, been a Purdue assistant a couple of times. Was a Boston Celtics assistant for five years. So we'll see. You know, don't we'll see about him. Uh, I haven't watched him at all this year, so I don't know a lot about him to be perfectly honest. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with that on Saturday. But again, I feel very good about VCU winning all these games, uh, which of course would mean they would, they would be, you know, not only winning the rest of their non-conference games, they'd be two and zero in conference play when they hit the road, January 5th at Dayton. And that's the goal. And I actually think I feel like that goal is well within reach at this point. Uh, these last couple of games and the way Ace Baldwin is playing absolutely has me convinced that this team is, is, is getting to where they need to be. And look, you know, for those of you who are thinking they still got no chance in an at-large, they're going to look at those performances without Ace Baldwin, and they're going to judge them in that context. Especially if Ace Baldwin stays healthy, they do well in eight, they do well in the rest of these games. You know, they're going to look at that in context, and 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 maybe not ding them as much for some of those losses early. But we'll see anyway. So yeah, Saturday, no live post-game video in the good, the bad, and the ugly group. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I will re- I'm going to listen to the game while I'm working and hope and then hopefully if I'm not absolutely out on my feet I'm going to I'm going to rewatch the game when I get home and do a pod um, and so that's the plan there for Penn State 
Also, if you're in the good and the bad, the ugly group, tomorrow, either tomorrow morning or tomorrow night, VCU by the numbers will make its debut. We'll look at the net, Ken Palm numbers. We probably won't talk about the bracket because I don't think they're going to be anywhere near the board on the bracket. I'll take a look just in case. So we may be looking at where they sit nationally and uh, in terms of uh, some of these uh, defensive categories where they're going to rank high. And, you know, then we'll kind of we'll kind of break them down uh, and see what their numbers look like and have a little post on there. So if you're in the good, the bad, the ugly, good, the bad and the ugly group, look for that. And thank you again for listening to VCU Rams Rewind and the live Facebook show on Facebook. Lady Nollins, our wonderful sponsor, patronize them during any season, but especially the Christmas season. Thank you all for watching and listening. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the game thread comments because they were great too. Uh, Have a good night, everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. To participate in the post-game Facebook Live with George, join the Facebook group VCU Basketball Fans, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.